Well, I uh, don't know if you guys know this, but um, I married my high school sweetheart. So in the eighth grade, I had this friend named Paul, and uh, Paul was graduating from this Christian junior high. And so Paul, uh, I went to his graduation, and um, one of the speakers was a salutatorian or valedictorian or one of the Torians, and uh, was given a speech. And she was like gorgeous, okay? She had super long hair, went down, like down to her lower back, and she gave this speech, and it was funny, and it was smart, and I couldn't understand half of the words. And I said to my friend Paul, I'm like, who's that? And he said, that's Lisa Williamson. She's too good for you. That's what... <laughs> my best friend. See, your best friend, you know your best friend because he, 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 he didn't hold any punches. He says, she's too good for you. And so I, I, I figured, well, yeah, you know, okay. So I was going to public school. She was going to private school. You know, I just, you know, I figured, yeah, I, I'm just a, you know, a street kid or whatever. Well, it turned out that I was able to go to a Christian high school because we didn't have any money and we had this, this great scholarship thing. So I show up at the high school and it's my freshman uh, year and we had this class called study skills or I, I think that was the class. I looked over and I'm like, there's the Dorian. That's the smart girl, the one with the long hair. And so uh, we go through my freshman year and I start, you know, kind of getting to know her a little bit and, and, you know, talking to her and cracking jokes and stuff. And, uh, and you know, and my sophomore year, getting to know her a little bit better. We were in algebra and uh, we, we'd compete on who could get the better grades in algebra. And I didn't care at all about algebra, okay? I just pretended I cared because I wanted to get to know Lisa Williamson. Well, about the end of our sophomore year, beginning of our junior year, uh, my sickness uh, went terminal. And um, every day I'd get to school. I don't know if you ever had a crush on anybody, but I'd go to school and my only job at school was to find out if she was there that day. You ever do that? Every day. I'd walk on campus like, a, like an otter. I could just be like, oh, where, where, where is she going? I was like, did you do your homework? Shh, quiet. I'm looking. And so every day, every day, and every day I'd talk to her, and every day I'd try to, try to uh, get to know her better and be funnier and, you know, be like, you know, cool and all this kind of stuff. And every day I'd talk to her, and every day I'd look for her until every day became one day. One day... I got the nerve up to ask her friend if I should ask her out, okay? I got the courage to do that. By the way, it's called uh, triangulation, and it's not very healthy, so don't do that. Just go talk to the person you need to talk to. Don't talk to a side person. Anyway, it works, so whatever. Uh, and so I talked to her friend, Tina, and I said, Tina, I, you know, I... Every day I'm, I see Lisa and I, I said, I'm thinking about asking her out. Should I, should I ask her out? And so Tina, like a good high schooler, went to go find out to tell me if I should, okay? And she's like, yes, you should ask her out. So one day I asked her out. Every day became one day. And so what I want to talk about this morning is what does your every day look like? Like, what's your every day? Chances are that your every day, the habits and the things that you formulate in your own life, will have an effect on a one day. 
So, for example, if every day you drink a six-pack of Coke, one day you're getting diabetes, okay? If every day you, you have uh, four donuts and, uh, or, and, you know, fatty foods and all that, one day your arteries are going to clog. But what about in your spiritual life? What if every day was a way to connect with your heavenly father so that one day you might have an impact on your neighbor. You might have an impact on your kids. You might have an impact on somebody at work. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the early church this morning and see what their every day looked like. Because the early church exploded from the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I'll just set some, um, some things up. The disciples were following Jesus for three years. And they had hopes that he would be the Messiah. And so they would follow him around and they'd learn from him. He was their rabbi and he, he would, they would listen to his teachings and they'd watch what he did and he would push them out to let them do certain things and they would grow and they would, they would get to know Jesus more and more and they'd begin to understand why he thought the way he did and why he did the things that he did. And then one day he died. And the whole movement died. When, when your leader dies, when your leader claims to be God, which Jesus did, when your leader claims to be the Messiah, when your leader stands up and in front of the Jewish people says, I am, which is the name for God, and they understood it and they picked up stones to stone him. When your leader does that and then dies and is buried, your movement dies with it. It's done. So, you can imagine at three days later when he rises from the dead and he introduces himself to the disciples and to another 500 people that saw him, what impact that would have on those people. Remember, there was no Bible for them to read. They didn't get together and, and go over First John. First John was just John. Here he is. <laughs> like, that, it was just one of the... The, the apostles. And so the church begins to, because of the resurrection, because of this miracle, because somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and then pulls it off, the church begins to explode. How did that happen? How, how, did, how, did, how did it happen? How did it grow? Well, it grew by relationships. And what we're going to see in, 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 in this particular text, those relationships were not just, hey, how you doing? There was, a, there was a connection. And I'm just going to warn you at the end of this, I'm going to push you again, if you haven't signed up for a small group, to write out on the back of the connection card. Because to me, small groups is the way we grow in Christ. We have to do it through relationships, okay? So here's, here's what was happening to the early church. They were continually devoting themselves continually devoting themselves. That means every day. It means, uh, devoting means that they're, um, they're looking intently into what their actions are. They were continually paying attention. They were continually observing. How am I doing in my relationship with, with um, God? How am I being like Christ? This whole movement is, is disciples of Jesus becoming like Jesus. To usher in the kingdom. And they were continually doing that. 
What you continually devote yourself to do, you will become. If you continually devote yourself to getting angry at the news, you will become angry guy. If you continually devote yourself to just trying to get all you can, you will become a consumer person. Okay, what you continually devote yourself to, you will become. And we know this in every area of our life. If you continually devote yourself to the gym, you'll get in shape. If you continually devote yourself to eating right, you'll lose weight. If you continually devote yourself to education, you'll get smarter. So let's, I want to look at the early church and I want to see what they continually devoted themselves to and then see if that can become our everyday. Okay, that could become our everyday becomes one day. And we're going to see in just a little bit how that everyday becoming one day changed somebody's life forever. So what did they continually devote themselves to? Well, the first thing they could devoted themselves to uh, was the apostles teaching. The apostles teaching. Now, again, they didn't have a Bible at this point. They had the Old Testament, but most of them couldn't even read. Okay, it was in Hebrew. That was all read by the, by the priests and uh, people in the synagogue. And so they just had each other. They just had the model of Jesus. And so they listened to these apostles who had been with Jesus for three years, to, teaching them, and I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit as well, of how you're supposed to act. And so it's funny, for us, for you and I, we don't... We don't really consider this that much because it is so easy for us to get our hands on information, isn't it? Like I literally can get on the internet and find anything out. I was, ta- I was in the, uh, talking to somebody uh, outside and um, they, uh, they were talking to their Penn State fans and, um, and Penn State won on Friday and they were very happy about that in football. And so um, I said, hey, what's their record? And he said, oh, I don't know. And I almost grabbed my phone and said, Siri, what's Penn State's football record? And she would have told me or she would have called my mom. I, I don't know. But, uh, but, but, uh, but I mean, that's, we have access to all that information. I can find, you can literally find a sermon on anything in the Bible on the Internet, right? But you have to understand for them. Teaching was not the gathering of information like it is. We're in the information age. We think the more information we have, the smarter we'll be and the better we'll be. What the teaching was, was rabbinic teaching. What do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? What do I do when we have a death in the family? How would Jesus respond to this? How do I, one of the apostles, hey, I, I, uh, I, I'm really having a hard time forgiving my brother. And the apostle would say, you know, Jesus talked about that. He he said that we should forgive not only seven times, but seven times 70. Oh, okay. Okay, that's what I'll do. That's what the teaching was. It wasn't Bible memorization or, you know, can you name all the books of the Bible? (laughs) Well, at that point, it was much easier. Um, So they continued. So that was, that was a, they continually devoted themselves to that. So let me ask you, daily, every day, is there something you can do to continually devote yourselves to becoming more like Christ? Is there a book, a series of books, maybe some letters that you could read, (laughs) some poetry genre texts, maybe something 
from like, I don't know, the old writings or the new old writings, okay? Is there a time where you can sit by yourself with God, with his word, and go, I'm going to devote myself to reading God's word? Now, for some of you, that may be difficult, okay? Because you, the Bible's hard to understand. Trust me. I do this for a living, and there are things in there. I'm just like, what? Okay, so I understand that. But most of it's pretty obvious. And most of it, if done daily, there'll be a one day when you go, oh, that makes sense to me now. So they continually did this they, uh, uh, to the apostles' teaching. The second thing they did was they continually devoted themselves to fellowship, now, this one is such a hard one for our culture. Uh, I was just talking to somebody in the, in the patio, talking about just how our lives are so busy. If I, if I asked everybody who's really busy right now to raise their hands, I, they'd all go up because we're just, we're just crazy, right? And so the idea of fellowship seems like tedious. Like it seems like, oh man, I got, if I have a small group at my house, I got to clean up. Right? I got to clean up all my stuff. I got to, my house isn't as nice as someone. And, and I, I wish so badly that we could get back to this idea. But here's my question. Daily, do you have somebody that can sh- you can share with your life with Christ? This is what I'm going through right now. So that maybe we can't do fellowship like they did it. And you'll see how they did it. They were basically just hanging out all the time at each other's house. And again, their culture was communal. Okay, Ours is individualistic. We like to go home. We don't share our, our, our warts with people. If I want to share my life, it's going to be a well-filtered Instagram picture from a really nice part of my day. It won't be me driving. Okay? It, it won't. And so... So how do we do that? Every day, if, if this is how the church grew, it grew through relationships, and if, 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 if every day is going to become a one day, that one day I actually share with somebody what I'm really struggling with so that I could be healed, if that one day is going to come, how can I incorporate fellowship into the everyday? Can I find a fellow person who can help me along my journey? Maybe someone who's farther ahead. Maybe someone who's farther behind and I can help them along when we, we share life. Maybe, maybe every day or maybe even every week you find an accountability partner. And so that every day that you're struggling with something becomes one day that you're not. That every day when you think, how can I get out of this? How can I get uh, this, this one sin that I keep doing? It becomes one day when you say, I'm free. The chains are broken. That doesn't happen by yourself. It cannot and so how do, how do you, and these are just questions for you. You're going to have to figure, figure them out. How do, how, do you, how do you get teaching into your life? How can I be more like Jesus? How are you going to get fellowship into your life? And then the other one is this, uh, the breaking of bread. Now, scholars uh, argue back and forth about whether this is um, communion. The, the, like the Greek here is the breaking of the loaf is actually what it says. Um, and so some scholars think that that's communion. That, that's, and other scholars think um, because they would say that before the blessing of any meal, before they passed out the bread. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> I think they did both of those things. I think it was both a communal meal that they'd eat together and, uh, and that they'd take communion together. 
And so, my, my, but, but, but it's this idea of stopping, slowing down, and intentionally being present with somebody else. So your fellowship might be, you know, you've you got a buddy, you call him up, you're communicating, all that kind of stuff. But the breaking of the bread is an intentional meal where you sit down and you begin to share life together. Now that might not be possible daily because we have the schedules that, that we have. But what would it look like to increase that in your life? That one day you get a friend or a, a, you have an impact that really changes their life. This uh, was modeled to me by my wife. I, I would, if I had it my way, um, dinner would consist of throwing some food out and I would uh, grab it with my hand as I'm working and we'd go around. But Lisa made sure that we all sat down together. It wasn't every day. It was every day we could, that everybody was together. And this was exactly what would happen. We'd eat dinner one day. We'd eat dinner the next 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 day. And then one day, somebody would share something about a struggle they're going through. Someone would share something about something we didn't know, we didn't know about. And Lisa and I have a little rule that uh, in raising kids, don't overreact like, it's like, oh, wow, so, um, so the shed burned down. It's fascinating, fascinating. Now, how, how, did that, how did that actually happen? Oh, fireworks, okay. Good, good. And so the police, the, okay, good, the police came. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, great. And all your, fr- okay, good, great. So, you know, because you can shut them down and then you don't get all the facts, right? And so these things would happen because every day, or as much as we could, uh, Lisa would make sure we were sitting down to eat. And then one day, and my question is, as you grow in your relationships, how can you increase this idea of breaking bread together? This is why, and this is one of the reasons why, um, I'm adamant about saying it's better when you're here. Now, again, I don't, I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone into coming to church. And you on Facebook Live, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're, yeah, I can see you in your pajamas. Yep, okay. Um, uh, I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but, but this is a big part of how the church grew. They took communion together. There's something mystical about that. There's something um, uh, connective about that. I don't know if you've ever done this, but... Um, You've been taking communion, and maybe you've, you've been doing it your whole life, and you, know, you went to a church where they did it. You went to Mass every day or what have you, and then you're taking communion, and one day you just sense the presence of God. That can only happen if there's an every day. It can only happen if, if, if we're, that can only be possible if we're partaking with communion together. Breaking of the bread. What else were they continually devoted to? How did they grow? How did they stay connected uh, to breaking of bread and to prayer? If you notice, uh, so in this series, what's new, we're asking ourselves, what's new in your relationship with Jesus? What's, what's new? What, what have you, how have you stretched yourself? What have you added? And, uh, and so each week we have this series of uh, challenges. What's new challenges? And um, the we, they're divided into come and see, which are kind of easy ones. Maybe dip your foot in the water or whatever. Come and follow, which are a little bit harder. And then come and die, which is uh, permanent. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, 
But uh, so come and see is praying to God. Just five minutes a day. Maybe you just don't pray. They did this continually. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. And you might be praying. This has happened to me more times than you'd suspect from a pastor. I'm praying and I'm getting nothing. I don't hear anything. I don't even know what to say. I'm just praying. And I'll pray, you know, Lord, keep Jesse safe, keep the girl safe, keep the church safe. You know, uh, I need a Ferrari. Uh, you know, just the kind of no- normal, normal stuff that I'm doing. And it's like, I don't, I don't sense his presence. I don't. And then one day, one morning, there'll just be this bursting forth of a connection with God. And it's just, I'm just like, blah, 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 you know, I'm like, talk, talk, talking to him. But that one day doesn't happen without the every day. I can't just muster that up. I mean, I can't just show up and go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, the every day becomes the one day. And to prayer. So what would that look like in your life? Praying every day. So that's the come and see. The, the come and follow is a tough, tougher one. Uh, that doesn't have to do with prayer. Um, uh, that's just a service. Uh, if you want to serve somebody, uh, it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to, no, I'm sorry. That was Bob Dylan. Um, and so uh, uh, that's serving someone. And then the come and die is forgiving someone, letting their debt go. So these are the challenges that you'll have. But the first one is super easy. Just go pray to God. It's just like talking to him. And they continually devoted themselves to that. And what you'll find as you pray every day is your prayer life will change. It will mature. Just like when you talk to your, any, any other relationship. When I don't know you, what do I say? Hey, how's it going? Fine. You? Good. What do you do for a living? Right? You know? Oh, I'm a pastor. And then they usually run off. But, uh, but as you begin to get to know the person you're talking to, it begins to change. Your, your language begins to change. This is what happens when we continually devote ourselves to prayer. So here's what it says. I, I put this, all, this verse all together now. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And watch what was happening. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, you, you might say to yourself, well, man, I, I, I wish I could see some signs and wonders. And uh, are they still for today? Yes, I do. I do believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Tongues, prophecy, healing, all, all of those things. Why we don't see it like we did in the early church? Everybody has their own opinion. I'm not smart enough to come up with a really good one. Okay, I just know that it was just different. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. You do not need signs and wonders to be filled with awe. You do not need signs and wonders to have this connection with the church and with the Lord. Okay, those are great and they were important for then and they still happen now. I know people who've been healed. I, I pray for miracles. I've seen miracles. I, my, in my own family, I've seen miracles. Uh, everybody here has known somebody where there's been a, a miracle. I believe they happen. But this devoting yourself daily to the teaching, the word of God, prayer, fellowship, the breaking of bread, There can be a sense of awe even without those things. Here's what it says about them. (laughs) And this next verse 
if we could get this down just as a community, and I think Living Spring does a really good job of this. Uh, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, what this means, it does not mean that everybody uh, was a New England Patriots fan, okay? That's what we call heaven, and we're not there yet, okay? So it's not that you have everybody uh, all in common, you know, and they were all Democrats or they were all Republicans. It's that their focus of becoming like Christ, their, their continual devotion to becoming like Jesus, they were all on the same page. They were all heading in the same direction. They had everything in common. And they were together. They were together. If you are a follower of Jesus and you feel isolated, call me. (laughs) Write it on your connection card. You need to be connected. This is how we grow. You know what? Jesus says it this way to Peter. He says, Peter, upon this church, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The Greek word for church is gathering. That's what it is. And so if you're not gathering, if you're just sitting by yourself, listening to podcasts, watching this or watching that, it's, it's not the church. It's not, it's not what Jesus had in mind. We're the bride of Christ. We do this together. And we don't have to, it, that doesn't just mean Sunday morning, you know, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about getting into community. This is what this community looked like. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You want to know how much in common they were? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, there's an indefinite article in there that the the way the verb is written, it, it doesn't mean everybody sold all their stuff and then they like handed equal amounts out to everybody. It wasn't like distribution of wealth or communism or whatever, whatever. It was that because everybody was gathered together, because there was community, somebody would come in need and someone would say, you know what, using a, a, a kind of a modern thing, you know, I've, that stock we've had has done incredibly well. We could, we could sell some of that. We could sell some of that and invest into this particular thing. That, that's what they were talking about. But they first had everything in common. Now watch. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Isn't that sweet? You know, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I'm an introvert, okay? I know it's weird because I get up in front of people and I talk for a living, um, and uh, that doesn't bother me at all, but um, I... I, uh, I would rather, like if, if I had my way, I would stay all day in my garage working on a, a something. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. I'd be building something or refinishing something. Or, that's like, that's how I refuel. And so Lisa and I were at the gym and uh, we get done on, on, on Saturday morning and um, Lisa says, we're going out to breakfast. Uh, we got invited by these couples. And I'm like, <laughs> 
I just want to go to my garage. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I didn't want to go. And 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 also, you know, to be honest, they were like younger and like real successful, and I didn't feel like I fit in. I'm like, oh, hello, you know. So, uh, so she's like, we're going, okay. And and so, as the submissive husband, I said, okay, honey, I will go. And so, we go, and you know what's weird? I had a really good time. They call it socializing. <laughs> and it's like a big thing nowadays. And so, but it, what struck me is I'm like, this is every small group I've ever been in. I think to myself, ah, I should be in a small group. Usually I'm leading one or whatever. And, and, and I'm always thinking, ah, I'd rather just be by myself. And then everyone comes over or I go over and it's, and it's awesome. This is kind of what this is saying. If you're just by yourself, isolated, I know how it feels to not want to take the risk to get into community. I know what it feels like. And every single time I'm proven wrong. And so this is where they were every day. Watch what happens. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because of the community it wasn't because they all had really good arguments from the Bible that they've learned. They didn't, it wasn't because they knew apologetics and all this kind of stuff. It was because the community was so together and so loving that people took notice and said, I want some of that. So I want to show you real quick, tell you a quick little story about somebody who had an everyday, one day moment in their life. This is the very next chapter. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I love, I love it when the Bible gets uh, specific because it's just cool to me. Like, okay, there's three times of prayer, uh, nine, 12, and three. And so for some reason, uh, uh, Luke, who wrote this, this book of Acts, uh, put that in there. I just thought it was cool because I can paint a picture of going to the temple at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. This is so sweet. Oh, okay. Or he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Peter and John have probably passed this guy many, many times. Peter and John would go daily to the temple to pray because, not because that's what the Bible said, but that's what Jesus did. And so they're just following what Jesus did. And so they're, they're going up to the temple to pray. And for some reason, they do this every day, but one day they see this man who was there every day. Now imagine this man this beggar, this, he's, they say he's lame, he's got special needs, we don't know what it is, but he can't walk. Every day he goes. He knows what his day's going to be like every single day. Put out, in those days, uh, it was an honor-shame culture. Um, you, uh, you could not look at the person. You had been judged by God. You were not worthy to be in society if you had a disability. And so you would put your head down and you would put your hand out, just hoping that somebody from society would have compassion on you and put something 
and put something in. Every day, he had this shame on him. He had this disability. He knew every day what his day was going to look like. Every day, he'd beg. But one day, Peter and John show up. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, uh, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Now listen, for you and I, we think, dude, simmer down, okay? But what he's saying is, I'm connecting with you. You're not separated from me. There is no shame. See, I've been with Jesus. I'm not going to the temple courts to pray because the Bible tells me to. I'm going to connect to my heavenly father like my rabbi Jesus did. And so I want you to understand that every day you might be begging, but today, one day, something's going to change. You're going to be touched by God. This would not have happened on this one day if he didn't have the possibility because of every day. And for you, you might be struggling with something. You don't want anybody to know. You don't want, you've been, <coughs> excuse me, struggling with it every day. Give me a water. <clears throat> anyway. Um, and it's just something that you're, it, it's hidden. And every day you think about it. And every day you do this. And then one day, the Spirit of God manifests itself through another connection with another human being. That God uses that human being. Maybe for you, every day, you're praying, you're talking to God, you're reading your Bible, and then one day God uses you to do something like this. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And then he takes him by the right hand. I have no idea why it was the right hand. I have no idea why Luke cares, okay? It could have been by the scruff of the neck. It didn't really matter, but again, I love when the Bible gets specific. He grabs him by the right hand and helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Every day, And then one day, every day you might be talking to your neighbor about Jesus. Ah, they don't want to hear about it. Ah, they don't want to hear. They don't want to, they don't know. But you you keep loving them. You're not pestering them or anything. You're just sharing your life with them. Every day you do that. And you know their story and you know how tragic it is and you know why they don't believe and you know all that kind of stuff. But every day, or as much as you see them, you just serve them. You love them. You, 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 you represent Christ to them. And then one day, they make a decision. One day, their life is completely changed. One day, the struggles and things in their life that they've been going through, the shame that they've been going through is, is released. Every day becomes one day. One day is not possible without the every day. And this man's life was changed. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, (coughs) excuse me, sorry, uh, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. You think? 
Like, do you think Luke even needed to write that? Here's my question for you as the worship team comes back up. What do you do in every day that makes the one day possible? What do you do in every day that makes the one day possible? Oh, you're an angel. Thank you. Very attractive man, that Richard. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <clears throat> now, this can, this can happen in, in, in any walk of life, you know, in, in anything. You know, uh, one time when I was young, I, I wanted to lift, bench press a certain amount of weight. And so I'd go to the gym consistently over and over and over and over and over again. And then one day, 80 pounds, woo, did it. <laughs> so you, you can add this to anything. But I specifically want to know, what are you doing every day to make one day possible? You want that neighbor to come to Christ? You want to grow in your prayer life? You want to grow in your knowledge of how you become more like Jesus in the workplace? What is it? What does God want you to change? What does God want you to add? What does God want you to take away? What is the one day you're looking for? One day when you're over this struggle? One day when you are able to share your faith without falling on the ground in the fetal position because you're so frightened? What is it? Here's what we're going to do. Uh, um, we take this slower time of worship to uh, reflect. And we f- reflect on uh, what the Word of God has said. And maybe you want to reflect on the beggar. Maybe you've been coming to a place and every day you're on your knees going before God. God, would you please, would you please, would you please, would you please? And you're ready to give up. I understand. Would you go one more day? Would you go a day after that? And so maybe you want to talk to God about that during this time. Maybe God has already put something in your mind. Maybe you read over one of these and he said, you know what, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to, I'm going to try it just to see what happens one day. We also fill out our connection cards during this time. And if you are somebody who gives to Living Spring, we thank you so much for that. This is what we call this kingdom work, what we're doing. And we get, uh, we're able to do these things um, because of uh, your generosity to God. So we thank you for that. Maybe you just want to pray a simple prayer. But uh, what we do is we, after we're done, we just take all those connection cards and tithes and offerings and we put them in a box in the back. But... I would just leave you with this. The question is, what are you doing every day that makes the one day possible? Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that uh, you see us every day. You see us uh, working through our issues and um, seeing our relationships. Lord, I pray that we'd hear your voice now. Uh, You'd speak to us about something we could add or subtract or something that we need to do to make the one day possible. Lord, maybe you just give us a vision this morning for the one day. What, what do we want? What do we want to see happen? We can begin to pray for it. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.